my mother and I found her obituary. You do want to know the story. You just hope it's not too bad. And you do want to meet the people who you just hope they're good people. First thing she said is you found us. I met Bill when I was working with the volunteer group to help people who were adopted find their birth families. He didn't start his search until later in life and wasn't really sure what he would find. He already knew who his birth mother was by the time I started working with him, but unfortunately she was deceased. He'd missed connecting with her by a year. From her obituary and the comments that were left, he was able to see what a respected and loved person that she was, but he wanted to know more. He reached out and made connections with members of her family. Some of them were his half-siblings. I worked with him on finding his father. It turned out that he was deceased as well. It didn't take much convincing after Bill sent some pictures, because apparently he looks exactly like his birth father. He was able to connect with his birth father's children also. Bill grew up as an only child, but now has brothers and sisters from both birth parents that he enjoys visiting and spending time with. Here is my interview with Bill. So you were adopted from birth, correct? Yeah, kind of. I think I was probably a little over three months old. I was born in Kansas City in a maternity hospital. My mother was 20 years old. She was uh, also doing nursing school. I don't know if that might have been what they told the neighbors, but she blew that because she took me home from Kansas City. Oh. And she kept me for six weeks. And I was born in a hospital in Kansas City called St. Vincent's Maternity Hospital for Unwed Mothers. Sort of a Catholic approach to that guilt thing. They, you know, <laughs> And that hospital was affiliated either right next door or in the same building or across the street from a St. Anthony's orphanage. I would imagine most people in the condition my mother was in would have just turned the child over to the orphanage. Yeah. It was good for me that that didn't happen because I went through an adoption process in Arkansas because that's where my mother was from. She went back to North Little Rock where her family was and kept me for six weeks. That was uh, where the connection with my adopted parents came from. I wouldn't have gotten to Arkansas if she had turned me over to the orphanage right after I was born. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Did you grow up in Arkansas? No, I grew up in St. Louis. Okay, and do you remember how you found out that you were adopted? Not exactly. I I found out when I was, uh, I would say, oh, four or so, somewhere in that range. I I recall I was baptized again in the church. It might have been later than four. I might have been five. Uh, you know, anyway, it was I, I was baptized in the church with my grandfather and one of my mother's sisters, my aunt, as my godparents. And I was talking and walking, and I don't think I was in school yet. I'm not exactly sure what year that was, but I think it was probably, I was four or five. And so that's kind of my first recollection of it. I never really talked about it. So did you have any other siblings growing up? No. Okay. You were an only child for them. Yeah, which I, I'm not a fan of only children. Yeah, I did. I didn't enjoy the experience. My sons give me a hard time now, saying I was always around adults, and you know that's what happens. Yeah, it's true. 
So what made you want to start looking for your birth family? Well, when I was younger, I wanted to know what happened, but I didn't really think I wanted to find my birth family. The only time I ever told anybody that I was adopted was when I was like 10 or 11 years old, and I told my friends in the neighborhood we were out, and it caused quite a stir, and they all wanted to know the story. They wanted to talk to my mom, so we went into our house, to my house, and we talked to my mom about it, and I was like, oh my God, you know, I was sort of like embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, this I'll never tell anybody this story again. <laughs> And there was only two people in my life that uh, told people I was adopted. My mom told everybody, and my wife told a lot of people. So people knew I was adopted. If somebody asked me if I was adopted, I'd say yes. But I really wouldn't go into the story. I never shared much with my doctors about, you know, having a separate family. In fact, I really didn't at all. And as I got older, a couple things kind of spurred me on a little bit. One is my oldest son married a woman who was adopted and she was able to find her birth parents Mm -hmm. they weren't together it was a short relationship so she got to meet her father and her mother and I've met her mother so as I got older that was a bit of a stimulus and finding out about my health history and things like that were interesting I guess I finally matured and You know, I thought it would be fine if I met them. You know, when you're young, you kind of feel like, I've already gone through this. You know, they they already rejected me. Mm -hmm. Not that I was hung up on that. I wasn't. I was very lucky. I had great people that adopted me, had a good life, and, you know, they treated me very well. The other thing that kind of was a motivator a little bit was I read some articles about where your personality and who you are comes from. Mm -hmm. And most of the articles that I read say that really 50% of you comes from your genetics. That has a lot to do with who you are and how you think and how you do things. And I, you know, I could kind of see that a little bit with my parents. You know, my mom was from an Italian family and she was pretty intense. And my dad had sort of a tough childhood and he was an easygoing, good guy. And I was not. I was pretty intense and I wasn't uh, the easiest going guy in the world. And so, you know, I thought, well, this, I had to, I had to learn more. When we first got married through our 30s and 40s, 20s, 30s and 40s, I was probably, you know, you know, I don't need to meet these people. I'm sure they were good people, but, you know, I, I don't really need to meet them. You know, I just like to know the circumstances. You know, was my mom 14 years old and she got pregnant and had to give me up? Or, or was it a couple that uh, was not in a financial position to keep me? I didn't do a whole lot of research on it and things like that. But it didn't bother me. And, I, you know, I felt like I had a really good life. It, it was no big deal, but I just kind of kept it to myself. After my son married this girl and she found her parents a few years after they got married, I started looking into it. My wife's family is... Kansas City. We go out and visit them every year or two. While one of the times I was out there, I called the Missouri Department of Health to see what they would say about getting original birth certificate. They said, no, that'll never happen. These are all sealed. They'll they'll never be open. And I said, okay. So I I started thinking about it a little more. And as I got older and kind of wondered about what my true health profile or at least family profile was, you know, I thought it would be uh, worthwhile. A guy that worked for me, who 
I didn't know that he was adopted. I was on Facebook with him. Not that I spend very much time on Facebook anymore, but I happened to see a few years ago, I happened to see that he was involved in this adoption organization. So I reached out to him and talked to him and he told me his story, which was pretty interesting. And he encouraged me to reach out. He said a lot of the states, because of these ancestry tests and DNA tests that are out there, have been sued or whatever, and now they're now easing up on releasing of the original birth certificates. And by then, I had started, I'd gotten on Ancestry to see if I could learn anything on Ancestry, not only about my birth family, but my real, you know, my adopted family. I saw a number of people on my matches on Ancestry that were pretty close, including a woman who was either a half-sibling or an aunt, and it turns out she was an aunt. But I didn't recognize any of the names, obviously. Really had no further way to go. I don't think I reached out to any of these people yet. I thought I needed to have a little more information before I reached out to them. Mm -hmm. So in April of 2018, I filled out a form for Missouri to get my original birth certificate. And I think all these states have a disclaimer if the if the parents, birth parents don't want any information sent, I guess they won't. I figured I was 69 years old, I guess then. So I figured chances of my birth parents being alive probably weren't very good. But, it, you know, at least I could find out who they were and maybe find out something about them. It took them a while to get it. My age range just opened up for Missouri to release original birth certificates on January 1st of 2018. And I finally got the information back from them, the original birth certificate. My mother's name was on it. There was no father on it. It said, you know, the hospital where I was born and, and that was it. I Googled my mother and I found her obituary. She had died in September of 2017. She was 88 years old. Mm. Her maiden name was Cordsmeyer. Her married name was Vogler. And it had all sorts of information about her siblings and all that. So the woman that I wasn't sure who she was, was her older sister. And she was actually still alive. I don't know how capable she was at that point. So I started putting things together. And, uh, you know, we'd look on Facebook and see if we could trace her kids down, which we were able to. Didn't learn much there. Saw some first cousins, so it all started making sense. And then once I figured out who was on the mother's, mother's side and where the mother was, I could start working on the father's side. She was obviously a very well-thought-of woman. She was a, a nurse, was the head nurse at our emergency rooms in Little Rock and a few other towns in the south where they lived. And it was interesting. She kind of looks like my adopted mother, and my adopted mother was a nurse. Hmm. The connections were even a little tighter. I had to go through probate court in Arkansas because I was born in Missouri. And so when my adopted parents got me, they had all the documentation through probate court. And I guess there was a like a trial period of a year or two. They went through Catholic charities because a Catholic priest, Monsignor Healy, John Healy, was my guardian during the adoption process. And I have copies of letters from Monsignor Healy to my parents. My dad had been working in Arkansas. I'm sure they went down there because that's an easy state to adopt. At least it is now. I'm sure it was then, too. And they eventually moved back to St. Louis. And my mother 
acted like all of my records, well, she told me all my records were burned in a church fire. Hmm. She was very vague on who helped them get through this. Was there a priest involved or anything like that? She said there, yeah, there was, but she never gave me a name or anything like that. And she was a great mother, but I think she was very insecure about the fact that I was adopted. Yeah. So anyway, I learned a lot about the adoption then. He, unfortunately, this guy died this priest died when he was very young. He was like 43 years old in 1952. So I couldn't get any, any more out of that as luck would have it in these things. He married my birth mother and her husband. Huh, wow. Uh, they got married in 1951. I was born in 49. She named me Stephen. Cords, uh, the birth certificate and said Stephen Cordsmeyer. She married this guy Vogler, and she said she wanted to find a nice Catholic man to marry, and she did. And they had five kids. They had one other child died like a day after birth, and their first child was named Steve. She named him Stephen too. My friend who encouraged me to do all this—that's what his birth mother did when he found out her and he saw his original birth certificate and all that uh, up here. So I guess that's not that unusual. I felt pretty confident because I'd seen all these people on that were either related as a sibling to my mother. I, I saw one or two like that. Then I saw a bunch of other people that were children and therefore my first cousin of my mother's sibling. She she was from a family of seven, I think. She was the second youngest. So I, I put that together. So I felt pretty confident about that. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to go forward. So then I started working on my father. And that's when you came in and uh, <laughs> helped me uh, kind of pinpoint that. So what, what ended up happening, I put together a letter outlining all the things I had found out about my birth mother and her family. I sent it to my oldest half sibling, Steve Vogler, you know, who was the first Stephen, second Stephen. <laughs> and I, you know, I said, Here, here's why I think we're related. I just like to learn more about my mother, which is really my whole reason. I wasn't sure I would be accepted by the half siblings. Yeah. You know, I've had plenty of stories where that acceptance doesn't go very well. At this point, I knew she wasn't alive. You know, I figured my father was her age, maybe a little older. I wasn't sure he'd be alive either. And, uh, you know, I only missed her about a year. I, when I saw the obituary, I saw all these wonderful things people said about her. And they were a lot more than normal. I mean, people don't put bad things in obituaries when they're commenting on people. But still, there was a lot of them. So I wrote the oldest son, Steve, a letter and had about 10 points. I tried to make it very factual. I wanted to take the emotion out of it and just see if they'd be interested in talking. He sent me a note back saying, oh my God, this really took us by surprise. Da, 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 da. You're going to have to give us time. He, and I, he mailed it back and said, no problem. Take whatever time you need. And about five days later, he said, can we get together for a conference call on Saturday? So I got on a conference call with them, and I was a sales guy and a sales management guy in my career, so I had all my thoughts laid out, what I was going to say if they said this or what I was going to say if they said that, you know, just so I'd be prepared. And he was the first person I talked to. It wasn't on a speakerphone or anything, which was probably better. We introduced each other and kind of talked about what I said in my note, and then his sister got on the phone, Mary, and the first thing she said is, you found us. So I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we knew, we knew about you. Oh. And I, I think not everybody knew or the degree of knowledge regarding this potential half-sibling 
was the same in everybody, but she knew a lot. Steve said he did, but he said, I wasn't sure if my mom might have had one too many bourbons that, that night that she told us that. But uh-huh. uh, So I talked to all of them. The, the call went great. They seemed to be very accepting. I ventured out to say, well, we'd love to come down and see you. Could we arrange that? And they said, well, yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to have you come down. That was around the 1st of August of 2019, and we ended up going down in October. And we had dinner with them, the siblings, the first two nights. Uh, Steve didn't come the first night. We met him the second night. And and I made sure I paid for dinner the first night because I figured they were probably thinking, what's this guy want? Yeah. Conversation was great. And then the third night, we met a bunch of Cordsmeyers. And the Cordsmeyer family was a huge family. There's a lot of them in Arkansas. There's some of them in Minnesota. They would have family reunions where there's like 400 people. I had the book of all the Cordsmeyers. And, you know, the first Cordsmeyers kids, you know, there's like eight of them. And they all had eight kids. And they had eight kids. Oh, you know, so man. that's where it, So we got to meet a bunch of the Cordsmeyers and first cousins and second cousins and all this. Plus I got to meet another Teresa Cordsmeyer who was my mother's sister-in-law and she was like 93 years old or 92 years old at the time. And she said to me, I've been praying for you for 70 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was right. And, uh, she was my first godmother and, uh, she was a sweetheart. She's still alive. She told me all about my mother and uh, how her mother was not happy about her bringing me home, (laughs) which I could understand. Her father would come home from work. He worked at a Missouri Pacific Railroad facility not far from where they lived. And uh, he'd play with me, you know, as much as you can play with a four or five week old baby. (laughs) After six weeks, they turned me over to their parish priest. And I must have got into Catholic Charities, and that's where eventually I got hooked up with this Monsignor, was my guardian. And so my parents picked me up sometime when I was three to three and a half months old. The first, maybe a little older than that, the, the youngest picture I have that my parents had in their records, on the back of it, it said I was four months old. So I was in some sort of orphan intro for a month or so, and then I got adopted, that was really good. That was great. And, uh, you know, we connected with all those people. We still see them. We went back to Arkansas last summer and spent two nights having dinner with them. And we met a whole bunch of their friends and they all talked, you know, very fondly of my mother and the, the whole family. And, and it was great. And it was terrific. You were, had already put me on to C.W. Keppel as my father before we went to Uh, Arkansas, two weeks before, I had sent a similar letter, slightly different, to his oldest child, a a daughter named Robbie, and it was certified mail, so I got it back, it never been opened, and then I sent it again, got it back, never opened, then I finally, two weeks before we went to Arkansas, I sent it to the next child, Karen, so we're down in Arkansas, and we had some some dead time you know they wanted us to rest and they had other things to do <laughs> so you know we would we would uh, we walked down to the library and went through all the newspapers he was a, a football coach after our first conversation before i met this other teresa cordsmeyer my first godmother my brother down there called steve said hey you need to talk to jane dudley she's she's our first cousin 
and her mother lives with her. So I called Jane one night and Jane kind of took me through the story and said, my mother was there when you were baptized. She was your godmother. And, and I could hear her talk in the background. And I said, well, does she have, you know, I finally said, does she have any idea who my father was? And she said, well, and all I heard her say was he was a coach. I felt better about C.W. Keppel and, and uh, all this kind of C.W. Keppel Jr., and, but I couldn't find anything about him. It's amazing. The, the family went down there to see them. So we're in Arkansas. I'm looking around. I can't find anything about him in the files at the library. So we get home Saturday night. And Monday, I'm playing golf, and I get a call on him in the golf course, and it's from Arkansas, and I don't, you know, don't look at the message until I finish off the round. And it's from the brother, the youngest of the family, Bill Keppel. He must be C.W. the third. <laughs> and I tell him the story. He's got the copy of the letter in front of him. And he seems a little bit skeptical, but he was great about it. He said, well, send us some pictures and let us talk it over and think about it. And we'll let you know. Because I said, I pay for a DNA test. I used Ancestry and and let's see if, if this is legit or if it's just somebody close but not exactly the, the right person. I got home and I took some pictures of pictures and sent them down to him. And then his wife, Bill's wife, asked to be friends on Facebook. And, and then about 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, he sends me a message. He said, you look more like my dad than I do. <laughs> and he said, and I always thought I looked just like my dad. The funny thing was, is when we were with the Korsmeyers, you know, I brought pictures as we had seen the pictures of the family in the obituary when the kids were younger and we had seen pictures when they were older and none of the four Korsmeyer guys really looked like me at all but I thought I'll bring these other pictures because maybe they've changed as they've gotten older and maybe you know when we were younger we looked more alike and there was a little bit of that but not much so we started communicating Bill is, was a football coach like his father, his father was a very successful football coach in Arkansas. He's in the Sports Hall of Fame there. He won a lot of state championships and all sorts of other things and, and had a great record. And Bill was very successful, coached at some major colleges and some small colleges and did all sorts of stuff. He's now retired. So they were going to come down. So he started communicating and he and I talked a lot. You know, we were getting along really well. We invited them to come down to Florida when we were down there the following March. And they were going to come, and that was the year of COVID. So oh. we canceled our trip about halfway into it. What ended up happening between COVID and COVID alerts and all that is the first connection with them was in October of 2019, and we finally met him in person in August of last year, 2022. Okay. You know, we, we had a few false starts in there. Patty was messaging back and forth with his wife, Marcia, and I was talking to him every once in a while. My father and his wife, he got married sometime in the summer, probably right around the time I was born. Hmm. They had a daughter named Robbie, the oldest, who was born 10 months after I was. Oh, wow. He was a busy guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, sounds uh, like. In May of 2020, Bill called me when he saw on Facebook it was my birthday. And I knew as soon as I saw it was him, I knew what the call was about. <laughs> he was trying to find out if I was, was I was 71 or 72. Oh, was he uh, trying to see if it was like an affair? You know, he was, they knew when Robbie was born. 
Right. She died in November of 2019. So I never met her, mm-hmm. never even talked to her. But they were trying to figure out, well, what was the difference in age? And what, I don't think they knew all the details about their father's marriage, you know, and courtship probably. And so they were probably wondering what was going on. So he said, are you 72 today? And I said, no, I'm 71. I said, Robbie was only 10, was born 10 months after me. <laughs> I said, CW was a busy guy. And he said, yeah. So anyway, we finally got down there. We drove from Kansas City to Conway. They live in Conway, which is just north of Little Rock. And that's where he and his wife met at Central Arkansas. And they moved back there when he retired. And they have a beautiful house. And we stayed with them, which was a little, most people would say, oh, that's crazy. You shouldn't do that. Well, we did it. And it worked out great. And I consider myself very lucky. I'm not really telling this story very often anymore. For a while I was, and a lot of my friends knew I I was involved in in doing this to a degree. You know, I I always hear a story about people have adopted children and they're my age or a little older and their kids are 45 or 50 and they don't want to find out who their parents are. And I said, well, I was the same way when I was that age. You know, they'll change. Yeah. So... You know, I, I just consider myself extremely lucky. I, I got to meet this woman that was my first godmother and got to talk with her. And both of my parents were really well-respected people. I don't think my father knew about me. Bill, he said, you know, if my father knew about you, he'd have been involved in your life. It's just the way it was. He was a good guy and very disciplined guy. And he asked me that after this, he called to see how old I was. He asked me if I had talked to, I I told him the story of my Aunt Teresa, the sister-in-law of my mother. It it was the only one that's still alive from that. And he said, well, did you ever talk to her about that? And I said, well, I didn't think the occasion when they were all meeting me for the first time was the right place to do it. I said, but let me see. Let me look into it. So I talked to my sister, half-sister Aunt, and I said, here's what I'm going to do. What do you think? And she said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. She said, I don't think your father knew about you. But she said, I don't, I don't really know. So I called uh, her, her daughter, and, and she said, well, yeah, let me have her give you a call one day. And so a few days later, she called me, and I asked her if she had met or had any recollection of uh, my father, and she said no. I never did. doesn't matter to me. You know, it's funny. One of my half-sibling, the youngest brother on my mother's side, on the first phone call, he said, well, my mother didn't do anything wrong. You know, he was taking a little bit of a defensive posture. And I said, yeah, I agree. She didn't do anything wrong. She did what she had to do, I'm sure. Yeah. And I understand that. I'm just thankful that I can talk to somebody about her and learn about her and see what she was like. And so he and his wife were fun, great. They're actually coming up and visiting us in September. Back oh, nice. on wood, that trip won't get canceled. You know, that'll be fun. And I think my story is probably a lot more pleasant than a lot of these stories. I think both my parents, if they would have had a chance to meet me, or the, were the kind of people that would have been appreciative and, you know, would have had some regret probably, but would not have said, no, I can't meet you. I just don't sense that they were that kind of people. So. Yeah. Do you kind of regret not looking for them earlier so you would have been able to meet them? Oh, sure. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that would have, I would have loved to, you know. My mother, adopted mother, died in 2000, and she was 85 years old. So she was 
11 years older than, no, yeah, she, no, she was 14 years older than my birth mother. And she would have not reacted very well to this. We never had any arguments about me being adopted or her not being my real mother. Never, it never came up in my life and my discussions or anything with her. We didn't see eye to eye on everything. But, you know, we never had any anything that would prompt her to feel threatened. But she did, for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I, I certainly wish I would have. So you went from being an only child to having several brothers and sisters, it sounds like. Yeah, and the amazing thing is they all, the relationship with them, it, all of them has been really good. I'm very thankful for that. That's great. So you were talking about, like, nature versus nurture earlier. Do you feel like when you're with them that there's any personality trait that you share with them? More so on my father's side. I, you know, I, I think my father was a uh, kind of a very competitive guy and, you know, liked to be in charge. And I see that in my brother. And I see that in the stories I hear about my father. I hear that in those stories, you know, that he was, uh, he, he was a good guy and he was well-liked, I think. I'm a lot that way. So my sense is that my brothers on my mother's side were probably a little more like their father. My mother was a take charge person. I think my birth mother and my adopted brother had a lot of things in common. So when we found your birth father, his career was pretty interesting. Was he somebody that you had ever heard of growing up in the area that you grew up in? No, I, you know, he was a he was an Arkansas guy. There's a, a, another element of this whole thing that's really sort of wild. He he went to Little Rock Central, which is where they had the big lawsuit in the 50s, and they forced the integration there. And he was drafted during his senior year in high school, and he went into service. So that was like 45 or something like that, or 44. Yeah, probably 44. And he was training in the Philippines to invade Japan. And uh, they dropped the bombs, and so they didn't need to invade Japan. So if they hadn't dropped the bombs, uh, you know, he might have been, you know, one of the casualties of the invasion of Japan. I wouldn't have been around. Yeah. (laughs) Just uh, how fate happened and all these things. Yeah. So do you feel like the whole situation has really changed your life for the better at this point? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't, it hasn't changed it much, but it has changed the fact that I, you know, I have kind of an understanding why I'm the way I am <laughs> and a little, I think, and uh, where I came from. And, that you know, whether you really admit that you want to really know the situation or really want to meet the people, when you're adopted, that's always in the back of your mind. Right. You do want to know the story. Just hope it's not too bad. And you do want to meet the people. You just hope they're good people. I think my story was, it wasn't that bad. I think from everything I've learned that these are two well-respected people who deserve that respect by people that knew them. Yeah. So. So when your mother gave you up, you think it was just because her parents didn't want to you know, continue the situation. Like she couldn't do it on her own and they just didn't want to. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she was 20 years old. She was somewhere in her schooling to become a nurse and uh, she lived at her, with her parents. And so, yeah, that's not uncommon. You know, my father wasn't Catholic. I think he was Methodist or something. He, and he was a church goer and, 
I'm sure in that time period, she would not have married anybody if they weren't Catholic, wouldn't agree to convert. You know, that's what my, my adopted parents, my father wasn't Catholic and my mother was very Catholic. And, and so he converted when they got married. And so, you know, that could have been a stumbling block, but my sister says she doesn't think that he was aware. I think they had conversations with my mother. They, they all talked about how she sort of had these moments where she just kind of stared out the window and was somewhere else. And they, they, so they're attributing that to me. And, and they, they was a rumor that I might've lived in some other town in Arkansas. So, you know, I don't, I don't know the whole, whole story. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that about the differences in religion, because that's like a suspicion that we had about my dad, because his father was Italian and Catholic and his birth mother was not. And we thought if he brought her home, that probably wouldn't have gone over too well with his family. So, yeah, well, unless she converted, unless she agreed to convert right away. Yeah. And so if you had any strong feelings about your religion, which most people did, particularly back in that part of the 20th century when people were, I think, more reliant on religion because, you know, such terrible things were happening in the world. Yeah, it was more important to people. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is there any advice that you would give people who are thinking about starting to look for their birth families? Yeah, I would. I think you can learn a lot from it, and I think you should do it. But going into it, understand that it might not work out the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. If you can't get over that, then you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I was, <clears throat> I guess I was kind of hung up on it not working out the way I would want it to. But as I got older, it's kind of like what your father said in that podcast. He said, you know, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. And that's what I've told people too. I, you know, they said, well, did you feel about being rejected? And I said, yeah, I did. But by the, by the siblings, you know. I said, yeah, I did, but, you know, I'd at least learned something about my parents. That was most important to me. If the relationship with the half-siblings never flourished, well, that's fine. I could understand it, how they would feel. And, and if it did flourish, I'd just it, it would just be even better. Yeah. So It sounds like it did, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for letting me do the interview. I appreciate that. You're If you or someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thanks for listening.